<laughs> Wait till you see. Oops, oops. Well, you're in black. Wait till you see me have, um, fog on Wednesday. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I have a new black suede jacket. Oh, oh my God. God. Okay, wait till you see me at the fog on Wednesday. <laughs> because I have a gorgeous new jacket I got in Mexico. <gasps> and I have been waiting to wear for this. Right behind you. <laughs> Are we ready? Yes. Well, thank you very much. Um, so good afternoon and welcome to the meeting of the Executive Committee on Tuesday, January 16th, 2024. I'm calling this meeting to order by asking Commission Secretary Dolly Wall to call the roll. Yes, thank you. President Collins? Present. Vice President Shiota? Present. Commissioner Beltran? Present. Commissioner Schneer? Here. Commissioner Shelby is absent. We have quorum for today's meeting. Also, for the record, the following staff are present. Director of Cultural Affairs, Ralph Remington. Deputy Director of Finance and Administration, Sarah Hollenbeck. Deputy Director of Programs, Lex Leifheit, and Chief of Staff, Alyssa Ventry, and Director of Communications, Comité. Thank you very much. Do we have any agenda changes? Seeing none. Um, now some uh, public meeting instructions. I'd like to welcome all persons interested in this meeting to attend in person at room 401 Van Ness Avenue, Suite 125. This meeting is being streamed on WebEx. While this technology grants us better accessibility for individuals listening to the meeting remotely, please be mindful that tech-related difficulties may occur, and which could contribute to gaps and delays as staff transitions the technology. Please know that we are doing our best, and we ask for your patience. I want to remind us of the policies and procedures for public meetings. At this meeting, we are bound to follow the structure of our agenda and adhere to the best practices set out in the Good Government Guide. At every public meeting, there will be an opportunity for general public comment, where members may comment on any item pertaining to this body. Public comment will be taken in person, with remote access provided to those who require an ADA accommodation. Respectfully, we ask that you keep your public comment on the topic. Each public comment is limited to three minutes. Please understand that the committee does not, com the commission does not contribute dialogue towards public comments. Each comment will be documented for public records. The ringing and use of cell phones, pagers, and similar sound producing devices are prohibited during the meeting. The chair uh, may call uh, order um, the removal from the meeting room from any person responsible for ringing or the use of a cell phone pager or similar <laughs> sound producing electronic device. I just did it myself. Mm -hmm. It's off. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I will now turn it over to Commission Secretary Monraj Dhaliwal for any public comments, instructions. For members of the public joining in person who wish to comment on agenda items, once you are called on, then you will be asked to voice the com your comment at the podium. You will see blank public comment cards are located on the podium. You are recommended but not required to fill out this card, which will be included in the minutes. I will start your three minutes when you speak using a visual timer. You will also receive a 30-second audible warning. When your time is up, I will say your time is up. Participants who wish to speak on other agenda items may listen for the next public comment opportunity. 
Anyone who speaks during a public comment period at today's meeting can send a summary of the comments to be included in the minutes. If it is 150 words or less to art-info at sfgov.org. The summary may be rejected if it exceeds the prescribed word limit or is not an accurate summary of the speaker's comments. Persons attending the meeting and those unable to attend may submit written comments regarding the subject of the meeting. Such comments will be made part of the official public record and will be brought to the attention of the committee. Written comments should be submitted to Arts Commission staff via email to art-info at sfgov.org by 5 p.m. before the date of the meeting to ensure comments are shared with commissioners ahead of the meeting. Please note that names and addresses included in these submittals will become part of the public record. Submittals may be made anonymously. Written public comments submitted to SFAC staff will not be read aloud during the meeting. Communications received after 5 p.m. before the date of the meeting may be delivered to SFAC staff and will be shared with the commissioners. If you need to request a reasonable accommodation under the ADA or need to request language assistance, you may contact the commission secretary at least 48 hours in advance of the meeting at art-info at sfgov.org. Our office will make every effort to accommodate all requests. President Collins, please proceed with the meeting when you are ready. Thank you very much. I would like to start the meeting by reading our land acknowledgement statement. The San Francisco Arts Commission acknowledges that we are in the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as caretakers of this place as well as for all the peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, relatives of the Ramatush community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. As a department dedicated to promoting a diverse and equitable arts and culture environment in San Francisco, we are committed to supporting the traditional and contemporary evolution of the American Indian community. I'd now like to call agenda item number two, which is general public comment. This will allow members of the public to comment generally on matters within the commission's purview, as well as to suggest new items uh, for the commission's consideration. Is there any public comment on item number two general public comment. For those joining in person, please proceed to the public comment podium and fill out the public comment information card. We are currently on item two. As a reminder, your time will start when you begin speaking. You will see a visual timer and receive a 30 second audible warning before your time concludes. I'm requesting comments from those who are in person. Is there anyone who would like to make public comment on the current agenda item? I see no request for public comments. Public comment is now closed. Thank you very much. I'm now calling agenda item number three, the director's report. I'm introducing the director of cultural affairs, Mr. Ralph Remington. Uh, thank you, President Collins. I really appreciate it. Uh, good to see everybody here. Uh, hello, commissioners. Um, happy post MLK day. Um, and I hope it was uh, restful and reflective for everyone. Um, whenever I think about MLK day, I remember, um, I'm reminded of my time at Howard University. I attended Howard in 1980 to 1984, and we were out there every winter in the January at the monument protesting for a holiday, for a national holiday. 
and uh, we never thought that it would happen. And then it finally did, and we punched it through. But a lot of people over a lot of uh, years uh, fought to make that happen, and thank goodness it, it has. And so now it's an accepted part of life. So not just that, but you have the MLK monument now. I yes, the MLK monument as well. That's true. And so um, I think. Um, so that was that was always great. I, I also want to um, recommend a book that I read last year, a new biography on uh, Martin Luther King. It was the it, I read a lot of biographies on Martin Luther King, a number of them. Um, this is the best, and uh, it's the most updated. It's got the most information. Uh, it's called King: A Life. It's by Jonathan Ike and. Um, and I'd like to take a moment to recommend it. Uh, it's it's a book that depicts a human being, not a mythical icon. And it really helps one to understand um, not only the monumental things that King helped to accomplish, but also the intense pressure that he was under at all times. It also illuminates his human frailties and his motivators. And the book is also unexpectedly moving. Uh, there were moments when I felt as if it grabbed me by the throat. It has a particular power in this specific cultural moment that we're now going through with racism and white supremacy peaking in ways that many of us have felt were no longer possible. So the book speaks of a former time in US history while shining a glaring spotlight on our current time and perhaps suggesting ways to move forward with power, dignity, and honesty. Uh, so I highly recommend it, and I think you would, you would like it a lot. Um, and definitely will change the way you think about Martin Luther King, because so often Martin Luther King gets um, relegated to this kind of dreamer, or I have a dream. And that was so early in Martin Luther King's development. It's 1963, year of my birth, <laughs> but it was 1963, and I was born in January of that year, and, and uh, it happened in August. And But it was so early in his development and his understanding even of class culture uh, in America and, um, and how race even played out. And um, when they finally killed King, it was when he was speaking of redistribution of the wealth of the United States. As long as he was talking about race, uh, it was, he was dealing with a particular element that were pretty virulent, but it's when King started talking about destroying um, the capitalist structure that that powers the United States of America and moving to a more socialist democracy is when all of a sudden King was assassinated. So it's very interesting to think that that's when the pressure came on King in bigger ways than he had ever faced before. And his speaking out against the Vietnam War, which, you know, it's huge, right? So those things. So anyway, I just want to take a moment, since this was Martin Luther King Day, to talk about that a little bit, um, and from my perspective, at least. Um, and he's a Capricorn. He's a Capricorn, too, so I have to say. Shout out to Capricorns in the room. Uh, Sarah. <laughs> uh, hello. Uh, any other Capricorns in the room? I don't even know. But um, I don't think so. So anyway, uh, on January 8th, um, I attended uh, Mayor Breed's press conference at 
SF Jazz Center to help welcome uh, the revival of the Tony Award-winning production of The Wiz uh, to San Francisco. It was also wonderful to see Commissioner Beltran in attendance. Um, uh, the Wiz will be in San Francisco for a four-week run at the Golden Gate Theater from January 17th through February 11th. Uh, producers of The Wiz, Broadway SF, and Ambassador Theater Group will donate 100 complimentary tickets for youth uh, for ages eight and up from various San Francisco Arts Alliance organizations. On January 11th, the African American Art and Culture Complex hosted a community event, uh, Creative Conversations Celebrating the Wiz in the Filmo, uh, where crew and cast uh, members gave a special uh, preview performance and held a Q&A session and ticket giveaway. Um, a second Creative Conversation and Ticket Giveaway event will be held at the Ruth Williams Opera House in the Bayview on Thursday, January 25th at 4 p.m. These, these events are primarily uh, encouraged for people with children or children in their lives, grandchildren, children they want to bring to these events. Um, that's who they're primarily trying to target, families. Uh, on January 11th, uh, the Board of Supervisors, Public Safety and Neighborhood Services Committee meeting reviewed and discussed the resolution introduced by Supervisor Dorsey expressing support for the Soma Pilipinas uh, Gateway Project. I was in attendance at the meeting uh, with SF Planning Director Rich Hills, uh, Rich Hillis uh, Arts Commission staff, and Soma Pilipinas uh, Executive Director Raquel Redondius. Uh, since the resolution was first introduced in October 2023, the Arts Commission has been working closely with Supervisor Dorsey's office as a planning in Soma Pilipinas to review and refine the proposed resolution. The Arts Commission supports the amended resolution expressing support for a permanent cultural monument for the Filipino Cultural Heritage District and the call urging the Arts Commission to commission new works that center voices and stories that are not currently reflected by the current collection, such as the voices that reflect Filipino culture and identity. Uh, the resolution was moved to be recommended as amended by members Dorsey and Engardio and will next go before the full board. Also on January 11th, I attended an artist reception uh, hosted by our galleries team led by uh, Carolina Aranaba Fernandez, who's here. Um, and, um, and is at the public, um, San Francisco Public Library, Library Artist in Residence, uh, Tania uh, Lunsford Links, celebrating Lunsford Links um, exhibition, We Were Here. It's a creative investigation of the Black American presence in San Francisco in the late 1800s and early 1900s, particularly at the occurrence of the 1906 earthquake. We Were Here is on view at the main library on the third floor through March 1st, 2024. And it was a really nice event. Um, she did some of her own personal writing and uh, uh, there was an audio recording uh, from back in, in the day from during the time of the earthquake and uh, some, some great images are posted around and, and I, I highly recommend it. Um, and Carolina and her team uh, did a great job. So I'd like to congratulate them on that. Um, on January 12th, I attended a press conference in Chinatown where it was announced that the Chinese Culture Center has acquired a new permanent space located at 667 Grant Avenue. Uh, the cultural venue uh, will be renovated to include an exhibition space, art studio, 
and act as an arts and cultural community hub in the heart of Chinatown. The purchase of the building was primarily funded by a $4.7 million Asian and Pacific Islander equity fund grant with an additional $1 million in state funds that will go towards renovations. Mayor Breed, Supervisors Peskin and Chan were in attendance as well. And it was wonderful to see uh, former Deputy Director of Programs and now Executive Director of Edge on the Square, Joanne Lee, and Commissioner um, Yiying Lu, and many other community leaders were there to support this major milestone for CCC. I uh, also wanted to uh, note that also on January 12th, a Monumental Reckoning by artist Dana King held its closing ceremony to mark the end of its two-year extended exhibition in Golden Gate Park, where 350-foot, four-foot-high sculptures crafted in black steel and vinyl tubing, representing a number of Africans initially forced onto the San Juan Batista to become America's first enslaved people surrounded the vacant plinth that formerly held a statue of Francis Scott Key. Uh, now that we have our new Monuments and Memorial Senior Program Manager, Angela Carrier, on board, we are excited to begin ramping up the next phase of our Monuments and Memorials work. This includes conducting an equity audit of the current Monuments and Memorials in our Civic Art Collection and a vigorous community engagement and multidisciplinary opportunity for um, temporary artistic activations in public spaces that will take place over the next few years. To help facilitate this upcoming work, I'd like to just share a reminder that we have an open bid opportunity seeking proposals for a consultant to create and implement the equity audit of monuments and memorials and additional publicly cited artworks in the civic art collection. Uh, the deadline to submit proposals is January 26 by 5 p.m. And finally, I'd like to share that I have been invited by the San Francisco African American Historical and Cultural Society to speak at the upcoming Black History Month kickoff celebration that will take place at City Hall next month on February 2nd. It's Friday, February 2nd at noon. Uh, event details are still being finalized, uh, and we will sure to be sure, sure to share them with all commissioners as soon as they're available. I remember my first year here, Chuck was the speaker uh, when we were all remote. And, and I remember watching it in my living room. <laughs> so that was, and that was a great, great speech. So thank you for that. Uh, President Collins. So, um, and with that, this concludes my January 2024 Executive Committee Director's Report. I look forward to sharing additional updates at the full commission meeting on February 5th. Thank you. I'm happy to take any questions you might have. Um, actually, yeah, um, just in terms of uh, about uh, uh, MLK Day yeah. yesterday and stuff, um, I also uh, listened. Uh, it was funny. I had been reading some of his essays and speeches. Mm -hmm. I like to do that. Yeah. And it was really interesting because then Ezra Klein had a podcast with uh, Brandon Terry uh, uh, from uh, he's a Loeb uh, uh, professor at uh, Harvard that um, wrote this book uh, to shape a new world essays on the political philosophies of MLK. Um, anyway, and um, in terms of books to read and stuff, it's this is something where you can read just like different essays and different speeches at different times. But it's along the lines of what you were talking about, where later on he's talking much more about uh, income equality and also where just uh, just before 
he was shot. He was talking about the Vietnam War and then what he was talking about, which I think really speaks to us nowadays, just any type of violence creates more violence. And his thoughts about that, I think are very potent for what we're going through today. So I just, um, anyway, I thought it was, uh, it's, it's good thoughts to read. And you, like I said, you don't have to like dive into a huge long book. It's like, you know, you can pick and choose, but it was very revealing to me. And then when you made your comments, I was like, yeah, I gotta get this out too. So that's all. Thank you. Commissioner Beltran. Uh, thank you, President Collins. Uh, Director Remington, first of all, congratulations. Um, a lot of really wonderful news, and I think it's terrific that you're, gonna, that you're going to be the speaker. Um, I wanted to point out that as soon as you mentioned the book, um, King of Life, the author is Jonathan Eig, E-I-G, um, was named one of the top 10 best books of 2023 by all of the major newspapers, the Washington Post, the Chicago Tribune, and the New York Times. So it's in my yeah, <laughs> it's in my to order list. Um, last question, just a detail. Uh, is the open bid call for the consultant on the website? Because I have a number of people that I'd like to forward that to. Uh, yes, it is. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Shio, did you have any comments? I'd just like to share a couple of things. One, on April 4th, 1968, I was 21 years old and I was on the campus of Howard University. Mm. I had just met with Sterling Brown and with Rayford Logan. They were both graduates of Williams and I was writing um, some papers uh, through and about them. And I was standing with Sterling Brown on the campus when we got the news mm -hmm. in Washington. Uh, it was a moment that was riveting, uh, that um, was shocking in, in watching Washington burn in, in those days and seeing how long it took to recover was an experience that I hold, you know, as a part of, of my own life. There, there are two other things, right? One of them is on such a wonderful note, Tanea Lunsford Links was a young person in one of our safe haven programs in the Ocean View Merced and Ingleside community in the early part of the, of the uh, 2010s, right? Brilliant already at that point. When she was 13 or 14, she won the Young Playwrights Award, um, and the title of the working title of her work was um, "The Children of the Incarcerated." Um, we took her to Prague to the World Youth Festival, um, where she was um, deeply in, and actively involved. But it was her first exposure to this larger world, and it was remarkable to see how she held herself in that context with young people her age, literally from all over the world. And, and to watch her mature now and to have this relationship with the public library is almost foretold, mm. but we can absolutely expect that we are sitting, you know, before a, a person who will make a huge difference in this world, you know, and uh, the library couldn't just be a better place for her to, to be nurtured. Then finally, on the 6th of February at USF at the Sobrato Center, Clarence Jones will be in conversation with Sterling K. Brown talking about Martin Luther King. Mm. For those of you who don't know, um, Clarence Jones was the principal speechwriter of Martin Luther King. And he works out of the Center for Nonviolence at USF. Uh, and uh, so I, I would just encourage you, 
the tickets are reasonable. The Sobrato Center is right there at USF. And it's something that if you can get to, it, I think these moments are important because they're fleeting. When is that date? It's on the 6th. I will, uh, should I send a link to Monroe? Yeah. Yes. Is that, I'll send the link to, to uh, you. Yeah. Uh, anyway, thank you for your comments. Yeah, thank, thank you, President Collins. I, you know, when you were talking, it reminded me of some personal reflections as well. So I actually saw Martin Luther King speak at, but I was four years old and it was at my church. And the only reason I know this is because my parents told me and it was at Penn Memorial Baptist Church. And then when Martin Luther King died, it was the year after. And I didn't know what was going on, right? I was five. And my, I'd never seen my mother cry like that. And then my grandmother was crying on the phone, like hysterically. And I'd never seen that. You know, I'm thinking about, I'm a five-year-old and I'm looking at, I still, I still remember, I remember it vividly. You know the, the crying and and then um it was martin luther king who had been shot and then a short time after that bobby kennedy and so then my parents were both crying and my grandmother i mean you know i'd never seen that before so it was an awful awful time in our history and now we're going through another awful time in a different way so, but it brings back those memories that the time that we're in right now brings back those memories before those deaths occurred. And after there were many more shootings and all the things that were happening in the 60s and the 70s. And I feel like we're there again in a different way. So, you know, again, this is an interesting conversation and I know that we have an important agenda item, but I'd like to tie this right back to San Francisco. Howard Thurman was a principal person in the life of Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. He was the dean of uh, Marsh Chapel at Boston University as King was getting his PhD. Remembering too that, that Howard Thurman in 1932 was with the, uh, at the ashram uh, with Mohandas Gandhi along with his wife Sue Bailey Thurman and that was the transfer of the philosophy of nonviolent social change, right? So final coda to it. We have been fighting for three or five years to try to get a street named, just a little plaque here in San Francisco about um, Howard Thurman, mm -hmm. right? A man of immense global importance, mm -hmm. but fighting for getting a street plaque, not even a name of a street in his name has been an almost impossible task. Mm -hmm. Figure, mm -hmm. right? Wow. Where does justice lie and things like that? Mm -hmm. We can't, we have to own our own history here and to be able to use this as a point of projection. So thank you for extending this meeting by this conversation about MLK. Mm -hmm. Anything else before we, we move on? Okay. All right. Uh, for public comment? Yes, may I have any public comment on the director's report? For those joining in person, please proceed to the public comment podium and fill out the public comment information card. We are currently on item three. As a reminder, your time will start when you begin speaking. You will see a visual timer and receive a 30-second audible warning before your time concludes. I'm requesting comments from those who are in person. Is there anyone who would like to make a public comment on the current agenda items? I see no request for public comments. Public comment is now closed. 
this is time when you have to take a really deep breath because you're just about to jump into it, aren't you? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I'm now uh, calling for agenda item number four. Uh, this is the Arts Commission fiscal year 2024-2025 and 2025-2026 draft budget discussion and possible action. The discussion and possible action is to approve the proposed fiscal year 2024-2025 and 2025-2026 Arts Commission budget. I'm now calling uh, the Deputy Director of Administration and Finance, Sarah Hollenbeck, to present this item. I'm also, at this point, going to ask if there is any, um, no, we'll, we'll have public comment later. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, President Collins and members of the commission. It's my pleasure to have the opportunity this afternoon to talk with you about uh, the commission's fiscal 25-26 draft budget. We um, are going to start with a quick overview of the budget process and timeline. We'll go through the mayor's budget instructions and the budget environment, which, as I'm sure you all have been hearing and are well aware, is a challenging environment indeed. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about our projected revenues and in, in particular dive into a bit of detail on the hotel tax funding. We'll talk about the expenditure picture and then discuss the capital requests um, for both the cultural centers and galleries as well as the civic art collection and then have a brief uh, discussion of some of the commission's proposed budget priorities. Um, with respect to the budget process and timeline, as you know, um, today's meeting is uh, a scheduled to, in part for you all to have the opportunity to review and ask questions and get into some of the detail as well as to satisfy the public process associated with departmental budgets, which calls for certain meetings with um, a certain cadence prior to the submission or the approval by the full commission of the final uh, budget proposal. The capital request process is, is on a slightly different timeline from the operating budget, so that happens a bit earlier. The capital budget requests are required to be submitted by this Friday. Um, that is the 19th of January, and then the full departmental submission of the operating budget is due uh, to the mayor's office and controller's office on February 21st. So that will be coming before the full commission on February 5th. The mayor's budget then uh, is due on the 1st of June, and then we move into the board phase, um, and then they hold their hearings in the, typically throughout the month of June, and then the final budget is approved um, sometime in the late uh, July, and then the mayor's signature is typically late July or early August. The Budget instructions and budget environment. Um, as I mentioned, it's a challenging one. It's been a challenging one since just about a few weeks after I arrived here on September the 8th. Um, in October, we received direction from the mayor's office to make mid-year budget reductions, as you're all aware. Um, so that happened during the month of October. Um, that was uh, the first step, uh, which set forth um, <laughs> then the the next uh, update to the city's five-year financial projection, which was um, released just earlier in December, and that reflects 
projects a projected budget deficit of about 799 million over the next two fiscal years. That's up from, I think it was about 729 million back um, when this process was happening last year. Um, so that's due to a variety of factors, including delays and potential reductions, actual reductions in the receipt of federal aid. And there's an ongoing challenge with FEMA, as I'm sure you have all read about. Um, there are both either declines or very nominal increases in the city's major uh, tax sources, such as property taxes, uh, property transfer tax, business tax, and sales taxes. Um, the October reforecast of the hotel tax also reflected moderating growth, however, still positive growth. So for the Arts Commission, that's very positive, as you know, that is a major source, and as you'll see on a next slide, um, you know, a very substantial source of the revenue for the Arts Commission. So a bright spot. <laughs> um, there, the direction in the mayor's budget instructions is for general fund supported departments to cut 10% of their general fund support in fiscal 25 and fiscal 26. They have also asked that departments identify an additional 5% contingency. So if the forecast softens between now and May, June, when the mayor's budget is being uh, finalized, um, there may need to be further recourse to those identified reductions that departments could make if needed. But we've only been asked to submit a budget that reflects a 10% cut. Um, I will say that the mid-year reductions that uh, we identified some of those reductions are ongoing into future fiscal years. So we're in a little bit of a better position because we've already made some reductions that will count towards that 10% that you see on the slide for next fiscal year and the following. Not to say it's going to be easy, but it's a little bit easier than if we had only used one-time cuts to satisfy the requirement for this current fiscal year. Um, the key priorities and directives that were identified or some of them that are most pertinent to the Arts Commission that were identified in the mayor's budget instructions were to advance citywide <coughs> economic vitality. I think we all believe that the Arts Commission has an important hand in, in that. Um, accountability and equity in services and spending, and then really a focus on efficiency and maximizing the use of existing resources because resources are constrained. This table, and I tried to make it as large as it possibly could be and also still fit on one slide, <laughs> um, uh, with the appropriate footnotes um, at the bottom, just to provide detail for any member of the public that may be reviewing this without the benefit of this discussion. Um, but as you'll see, uh, the hotel tax, as I noted, is still growing. So the growth, um, rather than 10% a year in the near term, has been reforecast down to 9% growth in fiscal 25 and 7% growth in fiscal 26. And that is informed by, um, I mean, those estimates are provided to us by the controller's office and they're developed in concert with uh, the city's chief economist um, who works with the SF travel and their forecasting related to tourism. They look at employments and deplanements at SFO, um, hotel room rates and so forth. Um, 
So as you can see, uh, the trend of reductions in general fund support continue on the second line. Um, the DreamKeeper funding that we received specifically from the general fund to support that program, um, there's no further general fund money that we're receiving this year or next year for that um, as, as things stand today. Uh, we did receive one-time sources of hotel tax money in last fiscal year, and we expect to have it again this year to support um, our activities. We do not expect there to be one-time sources of hotel tax money in fiscal 26. Uh, the interdepartmental services line item, um, that is work orders colloquially known, um, where we're doing projects or work on behalf of other departments. That number that reflects that large uh, increase, I should say, in fiscal 25 is uh, it's still a work in progress. Um, there are some projections that we need to go through with other departments in the next month as we finalize this submission. And we'll get more clarification from departments like the library and Treasure Island and others for whom we do work um, to pin down that number. Um, finally, the grants line item reflects a reduction specifically in fiscal 26 because a large component of that is the Mellon grant. And as you know, that's just reflecting the timeline for that grant. Yes, exactly. Um, so that's the operating budget. We wanted to piece parse these out because the capital budget, which is in years significant and other years not so significant, um, it really skews the overall line, bottom line of total operating capital. So separating it out, you can really see, you know, we've received some significant funding in fiscal 24, in particular for the cultural centers. Um, we're not asking for that amount in fiscal 25. Um, but then there is an identified need in fiscal 26, which we'll get to some detail on that in a future slide, has to do with SOMARTS. Um, the civic collection, um, you know, fiscal 24 reflects what we, what we actually received <laughs> from the Capital Planning Committee. Fiscal 25 and 26 are our requests. It reflects what we need. I'm not suggesting that we necessarily expect to get that much based on history, but that is just a reflection of what we really do need to invest in the civic collection. And then finally, there's a small allocation that we're requesting for technology purposes, actually, to improve the functioning of this room for these meetings. <laughs> um, so that's the revenue side. Taking a little bit deeper dive into hotel tax funding, um, as I mentioned, the red bars are the annual Prop E funds, and just that reflects the growth that we're still projecting, albeit at a slightly moderated pace. Um, and then the gray is the one-time hotel tax funding that we have received in prior years. On the expenditure side, um, we this is broken down programmatically, and I apologize it's even smaller because we have more footnotes, um, and we will share this with you uh, if you'd like to have it for your records. Um, the budgeted expenditures are broken up by program, as I said, so community investments is our largest expenditure line item that reflects in this budget. Um, we have administration, which, as you can see, is dropping, and in part that's a re reflection of um, reduced cost, but also a reflection of, in particular, in fiscal 26, the Mellon grant and the grant funding is reflected in that line item. That's why the large differential. Um, public art and civic collection, again, that doesn't include all of the, what are called, known as off-budget expenditures of public art enrichment dollars. Um, so those are not all reflected here. 
the so you're seeing a you know twenty nine million dollar operating budget in fiscal twenty four and twenty five and then it drops down in fiscal twenty six um, and then the capital budget is as I just mentioned um, you know reflective of some significant um, seismic projects and relocation um, and then in fiscal twenty five uh, not any of those major line items which are reflected here. So this just breaks out each year, the historical last two years, three years, excuse me, of capital funds and what they were allocated to, what we actually received from the Capital Planning Committee, and then what the requests are. And as you see, the large red bar in fiscal 26 is um, SOMARTS, but ongoing maintenance is dwarfed just because of the scale of this chart. When you go back in history, when there was a year where we received almost $25 million, it makes it rather difficult to discern that you know, fiscal 25 is, I believe, uh, essentially maintenance and some uh, roof and fire systems at the Bayview Opera House is, I believe, what that request is. And then the capital, this is the history going back to 2018, um, again, up and through, up through and including 20, fiscal 24 reflects the actual um, funds that were allocated by the uh, Capital Planning Committee. Clearly, we were you know, faring a bit better before the pandemic and then things really dropped off when revenues, you know, did what they did. Um, funding has been, you know, growing, but modest still relative to the need. So in our prior sort of initial conversations with the capital planning committee members this year, they said, you know, you should put in the requests that reflect your actual needs. It's going to be a very, very tight capital budget this year for reasons that are clear, but we should let them know what we need to maintain the collection that we have. So that's the intent. Um, and then finally, briefly, uh, budget priorities. Uh, these will look familiar in some, in some cases, um, similar to prior years. A strategic uh, priority is to complete the strategic plan uh, to support the city's efforts for downtown recovery, and I would say economic vitality throughout the city. Um, we, on the equity front, we hope to increase grant support levels to the extent possible based on funding availability and then implement the MMAC recommendations. And we're excited to have um, Angela Carrier now on board uh, to assist with that effort. And we hope from the HR perspective to maintain full staffing subject, of course, to the mayor's directive to, you know, hold vacant general fund supported positions, but we do have many fewer vacant, uh, excuse me, many fewer general fund supported positions nowadays. So hopefully we can continue to main, maintain full staffing. We're almost there um, and invest in staff training. So happy to respond to questions that you may have. Commissioner Beltran. Uh, thank you, President Collins. Is this an opportunity to ask about specific line items on the budget? Yes. Okay. Let me get that. Thank you. Um, tiny numbers. Yes, those tiny numbers. <laughs> um, I see sort of the um, a couple of items that are the major fluctuations that I just wanted to ask about. One is in art, public art and collections. The non-personnel services goes from 225, 884 to 794, 919, and then back down to 224. Um, what are those services? I believe that is um, may have something to do with the the way that specific um, categories of 
services that probably in some other cases are in interdepartmental services, so work order work that we're doing, but I can certainly, it may have something to do with Treasure Island. I'd be happy to look more specifically into that detail and give you a fuller answer. Okay, thank you. Um, the second one is in community investments. It looks like our programmatic budget is gonna go from um, 3 million plus, uh, reduced by about 400,000 to 2.6 million or 2.7 million, and then reduced in 2025, 26 to 1 um, million. And how is that gonna be re reflected in the programming? Yeah, so that's a work in progress that we're, um, as it, it reflects the trend in the revenues that we've seen, you know, that we have reflected on the slides and the, the challenges we face, we're certainly um, going to have to look hard at, at how we can accommodate the, the programming we've offered within the, re the resources that we are being provided. Okay, I guess I was just curious if that means like a reduction in our grant monies or... Um, not not sure um, what that means. Where where um, the programmatic budget reduction for community investments from under expenditure it goes from. So we haven't gotten to how we're going to do that. Um, uh, that that's you know that's to be determined. Okay. Would it also be fair that um, the formula for allocation? will be informed by the strategic uh, planning exercise, or is that outside of it? Oh, everything, uh, President Collins, everything will be um, informed by the strategic planning uh, process and conversations. So as it evolves, uh, obviously this year, we're still you know, kind of just beginning it. Um, but eventually, um, after we have the strategic planning uh, session, and, uh, and after that's over, then that will inform everything moving forward. And I think it's an important point for us to note here at the President. executive committee. Oh, sorry, because of the allocational formula that Director Pate is always referring to. But I think as Commission, as a, a, a Director Remington is saying, it's a part of a transparent project, right. um, and and therefore it's informed um, by the process. Yeah, it's but a, it, it does end up in the allocational formula, which people are constantly asking about. So thank you for raising that. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. um, and then the, the last question I have, um, uh, and it's a it's an highlight, a <laughs> positive note of the budget, is for the proposed capital budget. It looks like collections um, revenue from general fund is going to go from like uh, 400,000 up to almost 3 million in 24-25 and then back down to 1.6 million in 25-26. Uh, is that to, how is that gonna be used for our collections? I guess I'm just wondering, do you know? That's the request amount, right? That, mm. they, that they had said to put in the actual that they desired, Correct. right? Yes. Um, or needed. Yes. And that's probably deferred. Uh, yes, that, that's, yeah. Um, yeah, so the request, again, what we're showing there is what we are going to ask for. I, uh, reflecting, you know, if we go back to this page uh, that shows the actual receipts right. through 2018 through 2024 um, and recognizing the environment in which this request is going to be submitted, I would be surprised if we 
we're successful in getting as much as we need, but it's what we need. Yeah. And that's developed in connection with the, um, the collections team, and they have a pretty sophisticated system, as I understand it, for tracking the individual pieces and what you know, conservation and structural uh, work that they need. And when we don't get it, it just goes back on the yeah. list um, yeah. for the subsequent years. Just plugging it away. We've right? It doesn't fix itself when we don't have the funding. Um, but there are specific artworks that are um, associated with that that uh, specific artworks that have specific known and quantified funding needs that then aggregate up to that nearly three million dollars of request in fiscal 25. thank you commissioner shioda um, yes thank you for the report i really appreciate it um let's see so the grants uh Art administration grants, you talked about that. So the non-personnel services that's going from six to four, um, can you talk about that a little bit uh, under expenditure? On the expenditure side, yeah. yes. So um, that is in part reflective of the grant revenue. I think that's the major change from fiscal mm -hmm. 25 to fiscal 26. So the if you're looking at the detail, I'm afraid I don't have the detail mm -hmm. uh, sheet to put up on the screen. But if yeah. we're looking under uh, program and we're looking under expenditures and the line item you're asking about is non-personnel services, which as mm -hmm. you noted, goes from 6 million in fiscal 24 and also 25 down to 4.5 million in fiscal 26. Mm -hmm. um, that is reflective of the drop in, in part reflective of the drop in grant revenue. Okay. Yeah, that's and just also, the conclusion of the melon. Right, and Dreamkeeper. And Dreamkeeper. Well, yes, um, a part, the, the largest uh, line item that is embodied in that six million or four and a half million okay. is the funds, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's the symphony funding that we right. grant out to the symphony. So it passes through us and goes to the mm -hmm. symphony. Right. And that's a bit over 4.2 million in the current fiscal year. So that's the lion's share of the six million dollars. Okay. Thank you. And um, the hotel tax one time, can you, allocation, can you remind us what that is and why we don't have it in 2526? Yes. Um, so that was uh, one time revenue that's non recurring hotel tax money um, that was uh, programmed or budgeted for us to help um, offset the cost of certain addbacks and other programming that had previously been supported by the general fund um, and the reason it and so there was a fund balance and mm -hmm. we've been uh, the controller's office and mayor's office have budgeted some of that in our budget to allow us to absorb those costs mm -hmm. um, but the it's non-recurring in nature and so we will not have access to that starting yeah. in fiscal 26. And are those actual numbers or those? Actual numbers those that are, are programmed in our budget, okay. yes. And sorry, I have more. Of course. <laughs> um, okay, programmatic budget going from three to 2.6 to one. I think you, you went through that. And then um, the general fund support is really oh you talked about that why that fluctuates so much or is because the general fund the capital budget comes from general fund yes that's right, right. okay that's that rolls in um, totally makes sense and revenue total under collections 
and that's the that's the ask line item um, not an actual that's just the the request amount so some of these numbers might change as the budget gets finalized yes. um, thank you that's that's what I got thank just you. A, a brief observation and and also thank you yeah. I mean the immensity of work I had sort of a preview of this with a director Remington a couple of weeks ago and it's even more refined so thank you so much but I you on one of your slides you talked about downtown recovery which I think is extremely important yet and still if we were if, if director uh, Pinopio were here they would be talking about how we uh, encourage the entire ecosystem and you referred to that um, so our impact is not only in terms of downtown recovery but it is within the whole city. I think that it's important for us to understand, I'm not sure that this is the time and place to do that, but I do think that it's important for us to understand so that we can advocate for the equity that goes to, you know, pushing the money out, you know, into our communities, because that's where I think a lot of our strength is. And it's also where we want to stabilize and keep that going. So. While I definitely appreciate the impetus to keep our downtown absolutely on track, we are living in both worlds simultaneously, and the commission can have, this, this body can have an impact on recovery throughout the city. Uh, that, that is true, uh, President Collins. I'm, I, I think, um, I, I think it bears saying that, um, the way, unfortunately, the way the city is structured with its arts and cultural programs in that the fact that everything is scattered all over the city, literally, in a balkanized manner, mm. whereas Chicago, everything is under one roof. <laughs> in LA, everything is mostly under one roof. They have county and then they have the city of LA, right? But mostly everything is consolidated in new york mostly on everything under one roof here we got we're here dealing with what small and mid-sized and outside of the symphony you know we fund some large organizations but mostly small and mid-sized organizations and then independent artists yeah. then you have grants for the arts is just sitting out there doing heavily administrative uh operational funding right then you have the entertainment commission then you have the film commission. And so they're all scattered all over the place. And it, if we were all able to have, just imagine a world in which we were all able to have concerted conversations together that were integrated, that we were able to plan strategically with every department. So let's say you had the head of entertainment commission that. Uh, me, the head of the film commission, um, head, whoever's running grants for the arts, that everybody sits at the same table and then strategically plans out a year. That's what they're able to do in Chicago that we're not able to do here. And so if we were able to do that, that would really aid the mayor's economic interests downtown in a greater way because we're only largely able to talk about to your point, uh, President Collins, the community nodes, the commercial nodes in the community and the community neighborhoods, right, largely. While the Entertainment Commission is focused downtown, 
and uh, grants for the arts is focused on these super large organizations and the film commission is focused on film. And so if we were all able to focus together, then we could all put our interest all over the city as opposed to, and then we would have more of an impact uh, downtown than we're able to have right now. Um, and so I would say that if the mayor's office wants us to have a greater, and wants the Arts Commission to indeed have a greater impact downtown, which we could, then we would do well by all of us being housed under one umbrella at some point in time in some kind of way, whether that's through some informal structure or whether that's through a more formalized structure but whatever it is, we have to put something together so that we are all talking together strategically year after year after year. Commissioner Belcher. I, first of all, um, Director Remington, it's interesting you should mention that. Um, I also didn't want to forget to thank you. Thank you so much for all your work on this. This is great. Um, while I was in the elevator coming up from the parking lot to this meeting, I actually ran into um, Yvette um, Brackett, who is the uh, commission chair for the redevelopment agency, the former redevelopment agency, and we were talking about going to our respective meet commission meetings. And she was saying, yeah, um, I think, you know, it's our first meeting of the year and she had this huge binder and she said, I think we have an arts commission thing that we have to like vote on and pass through you guys. <laughs> and we started talking about how fractured <laughs> this decision making process is and sort of bundled up in, in terms of, you know, um, talking to each other not through meeting together <laughs> but through you know essentially seeing these things that are agendized um and and so i completely agree with uh oh the other thing i wanted to mention is that um during the uh pandemic uh the commission actually had a grant a quarter million dollar grant to see if we could create at that point it was just a website <laughs> that would corral all of right. these agencies right. and their resources mm -hmm. so that uh, like anyone who is in the creative industries could just go to a centralized website and i actually yeah. studied la's website mm -hmm. um which is outstanding in mm -hmm. terms of you know if if you're a singer and you want a job at a bar or even if you're like a uh, an av person <laughs> and you want you know and that supports the arts but throughout the old all of the fields in terms of the industries um, and having a central resource like that. And I think it's, it was something that um, the executive directors of all of these arts um, and chairs of all of these small arts organizations were having meetings every Wednesday and that they you know, said, we, this is a dire need for us. Mm -hmm. um, and we hoped that something would come out of it. It unfortunately didn't, but you know, we, can, we can always look towards the future. Mm -hmm. um, so totally agreeing with everything you said. Thank you. Yeah, they, they, you know, when I meet with my colleagues around the country, they're absolutely mystified as to why we like, wh why don't you all have, why aren't you all in the same department? Like, why are you all over, all over the city doing different things in the arts? And they just don't understand it. Um, and I have a hard time explaining it because it's really inexplicable. And, um, so we have to get out of our own way in, in the way that we're doing um, that the mayor is doing successfully, I think, with regulatory services and the way that we're getting out of our own way 
uh, with that and, and streamlining processes and, and knocking down walls that, that were there before unnecessarily and silos that were there unnecessarily and how she's really successfully doing that, that same thing should also be applied to the arts. And, um, and whenever they get around to it, because I realize we're not necessarily the priority in this time, because you know these are tough economic times and other things, other people have uh, priority in line. But whenever they do get around to us, I think the case has been made with the incredible progress that they made in regulatory services. Well, you have inspired a really great conversation. You know, the budget is a framework for us to have this type of conversation. Um, it's a container for all of that. We can't express our appreciation to the entire administrative and program staff that it takes in order to rationalize a conversation like this and that you can actually speak clearly, legitimately um, about how it all works in record time. After all, you've only been here four months. Right? Or is it five? I don't know. Anybody who can name the date when they started, I think, is amazing. <laughs> Those are numbers, people. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share with us before I ask for any further commissioner discussion? Nothing from me. Thank you. I, I, commissioner Schneer? There were, um, it was great uh, going last year. Everyone answered almost every single one of my questions that I had um, between uh, Commissioner Shiota and uh, Commissioner Beltran. So that was very helpful. Um, I just have one other question, which is under public art and collections revenue, interdepartmental uh, services, where it goes up in 24-25, uh, is that again the capital request or what is that? Yeah, no, that one is not. And I, I think um, this relates to the question that I couldn't see the paper well enough with the lights dimmed to be able oh. to answer Commissioner Beltran. Um, I believe what is in largely driving that number is a current projection of increased um, uh, fee revenue, which uh, then translates into public art out at Treasure Island. We are currently in the process of refining those estimates with the Treasure Island team, and that may reduce. Okay. So, yeah, right. so that- I didn't know if there was anything beyond that. No, no, I, I didn't, I was, like I said, I was having a little trouble seeing the paper yeah, in the no, dim light. So um, I think what that is, is so the $708,000 that you right. see in the revenue line item, interdepartmental services, I believe that is the largest component of that. And then where that, the expenditure side that ties right. back to that large increase in revenue is the 794. Right. I don't know if it's ultimately going to be that large. We're working with the TIDA staff to reevaluate they they only send it to us when people pull permits and do the work out there you know and pay the got fee it. so got it and then the only other question i have is under um uh cdr um mm -hmm. the civic design review fees how do you estimate that it's going to go down so much and then come back up uh, you know i mean I, yeah what um because of the economy we have less projects what we've done here is really to reflect something closer to the current year actual projection. Okay. So the de decline that you're seeing from fiscal 24 to fiscal 25 is actually reflective of the, the number that we're projecting just under 100,000 for fiscal 25 is close to where we think we're gonna actually end up fiscal 24. Oh, interesting. And so okay. it's, it, we don't have great sight lines into the future right. uh, because you know the projects kind of come when they come so in order to be a little bit more conservative we're reflecting closer to the current year reality 
and then just growing that at a slight, you know, um, slight inflator in, in 26, but we would certainly, since it's a two-year budget, we would be reevaluating where we sure. are. And if there are more projects and there's more revenue, that's, that's great, but we're not right. seeing it right now. Right. No, I'm aware we're not reviewing anywhere near the way yeah. we used to, nor are we having as many um, uh, arts, uh, you know, art, visual art projects from um, uh, civic uh, buildings coming up either. So, mm -hmm. yeah, no, I'm very well aware of that. Thank Commissioner you. Commissioner Beltran, would you just oh. like to comment? Oh, please. Um, I just, if I may, I think the environmental services number for public art is related to the airport terminal. Yes. Uh, um, largely related to the airport terminal. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to ask Commissioner Beltran to comment on the elasticity of Treasure Island. It's important, I think, for all of us to, to know, and you have more experience, but just in, in a succinct form, um, it's a real estate market, right? But that is different from the wastewater project mm -hmm. that is going, which is a PUC project. So when we talk about TI, mm -hmm. there are public improvements that may have an arts component. And then there is the private work that's going on, such as the Sujimoto or other things that are outside of the official public domain, where we are the, essentially the arts advisor in helping to bring those into fruition because of the expertise of that department in choosing, siting, insuring, infrastructure, all of the stuff. But that's on a, um, a slow glide right now because of the condition of the real estate markets. And, and going to uh, what Lex was saying, you know, the constancy of the airport or the hospitals or PUC or water or Reckon Park or library, those, those capital budgets, as we can see, with uh, the Petrero project, with Muni, are long capital projects. So those are easy, more easily predicted, right? But what's going on at TI is, in a sense, a bit of an outlier. Um, but it's not the biggest part of the budget, either. It's just a large part of our desire. Yeah. Well said, about it. Uh, you can come sit right next to me in the mic right there. Yeah, just move the mic. Yeah, uh, Kevin Kwan, finance manager. Uh, hello, commissioners. Um, just to add to the technical explanation on the public art line, um, that number is uh, the a large portion of that is related to the Treasure Island. Um, just a little bit of history on that in terms of how we budget that. Um, we we currently budget the the Treasure Island portion based on the projected fee collections. Um, as you know, as as commissioners have mentioned, there's a slowdown in the fees that are being pulled, so that means that we're not able to budget as much. Um, coincidentally, pre-pandemic, they we were budgeting based on the projection of the total master plan. So I think that's uh, it before 2020, uh, the master plan was projecting 20 million plus in total arts enrichment fees for that project. So um, at that time we were able to project that. And so we were able to say budget for, you know, it'd be like 2 million each year because the idea was at the end of the project, 
the total fee collections would match whatever appropriations we made. So I think in 2020 that, or 2021 that switched and Treasure Island was required to essentially make us budget based on what they were actually able to collect at that time and not just say, hey, we'll collect it later and, and we'll spend it now. Um, so that's why there's also that wild kind of fluctuation. Okay. Well, I, I want to express appreciation for that because these are the sorts of questions when presented to the full commission that in a sense, I think we can take our notes and hone in on where those, those questions may lie because it's so helpful when you elucidate, you know, the underlying matters because the commissioners, you know, they should know and we want them to know and you are really, really helpful in, in bringing this to life. Thank you. Um, is there any further uh, discussion on the part of the commission? Seeing none, may I now ask for a motion? And the motion is to approve the proposed the proposed fiscal year 2425 and 2526 Arts Commission budget. Now I hear a motion and a second, please. So move, Commissioner Beltran. Second, Commissioner Schneer. Thank you very much. Is there any public comment on item number four? For those joining in person, please proceed to the public comment podium and fill out the public comment information card. We are currently on item four. As a reminder, your time will start when you begin speaking. You will see a visual timer and receive a 30-second audible warning before your time concludes. I'm requesting comments from those who are in person. Is there anyone who would like to make a public comment on the comment agenda item? I see no public requests. Public comment is now closed. Thank you. And may I now ask for the final motion? All those in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Motion carries unanimously. Thank you very much. Yeah, really appreciate That's it. Fun. Thank you. That's a hard job. That's a hard job. Thank you never, very much. Never fun to now we're on agenda item number five, uh, which is new business and announcements. This allows the commissioners to introduce new agenda items for consideration to report on recent art activities and to make any announcements. May I have any commissioner comments or discussion? Let's start with Commissioner Beltran. We'll go to Commissioner Shiota and then Commissioner Schneer. Uh, so I just wanted to make this um, announcement for the record, but um, it's Art Week <laughs> and it's also the Fog Art Fair. And so I hope everybody is sort of has those events on their calendars and goes out and supports all of these arts organizations that are, are going to be coming up with these spectacular Starting installations. Tonight, there's all kinds of stuff happening. Yes, there's all kinds of stuff happening. So um, please um, put those uh, items, subscribe to those many calendars out there. Just do a search for Art Week on, online. San Francisco SF Art Week. SF Week. SF, SF Week. Uh, SFartweek.com. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, and the, the wonderful thing is that we have sort of had many versions of this before, um, but this is the first time we've actually finally organized all of these uh, into an official um, week. calendar and week. So we'll, we should celebrate that. Um, uh, yeah, the biggest of which is going to be, you know, uh, Fog, the Fog Art Fair. Which runs through Sunday. Which runs through Sunday. <laughs> uh, and then there's a major opening on, I have a little echo. Where is that coming from? Um, there is. Um, Nine is playing Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to say the Niners. Uh, <laughs> Niners. Go Brock. Saturday. Yes, that's true. Go Brock. Um, 
Uh, I um, the other announcement is that uh, tonight, if anyone is interested, there is a an opening at the Minnesota Street Foundation that I invite everyone to yeah. Yeah. that I am particularly excited about. I've actually just been named and there was an announcement that went out today as one of the uh, members of the inaugural curatorial committee. Um, and so I'm working with, yes, Rachel Sample, the executive director and four other enormously talented curators um, based throughout the Bay Area. You're four other enormously, including you. Oh, right? thank you. <laughs> um, so I hope to see you all tonight. I think it's gonna be a great event. Uh, their openings are always fantastic events with not only amazing art, but fantastic food. So. Commissioner Schneer, Commissioner Shiona. Um, yeah, I just, uh, so I just wanted to talk about, um, there's two final performances from two amazing luminaries that have really set, uh, put San Francisco on the map in so many ways. Um, MTT, uh, Michael Tilson Thomas, yes is doing his final performances after 50 years with the San Francisco Symphony. And um, as is very public knowledge, he's, he's quite ill and he's literally been holding on. And this is what he does and this is what gives him verve for life mm -hmm. is, is the symphony. So these are his absolute final performances that are coming up. Yeah. 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 On the 25th, 26th, and 27th. Yes. And um, okay. YYT, Yuan Wan Tan, is also um, leaving the yes. SF Ballet. And she, um, you know, is just amazing. Yes. She's amazing. So, yes, uh, February 14th, Valentine's Day, is her very last performance as a core member. I'm sure she'll be an advocate for the ballet, but um, in tour, but um, she's she's quite a, she's quite a vision. That's it. So the end of, an, of two eras, really, yeah. yeah. I love it when um, uh, the, with, when both of you just say everything I wanted to mention. So mm -hmm. you did a great job yeah. and I liked our echo here. It was mm -hmm. kind of fun. <laughs> But I am as as much as uh, Commissioner Belcher and I'm incredibly excited about SF Art Week and the fact of that it's finally this full week all coordinated together is amazing and everybody should take there is so much so much that's free that's out there um, just at the galleries and the museums everybody's gotten involved with it it's amazing so, yeah we should get this out uh, Manraj if we can to uh, sfartweek.com just to Everybody. <laughs> I'd like to just call attention to a couple of things. Tonight, I'm going to the Conservatory Gala, which was, is, I always love to see students of art, of music, of drama, of theater, of dance. And, you know, the Conservatory is right around the corner from here and it's producing amazing, not only artists, but people that are in the field of sound technology, of scenic and, and the underlying crafts that really um, make art uh, come alive. Um, also on Friday, I think I mentioned this at the commission meeting, is a luncheon in honor of Stanley Gaddy, who was on this commission and president of this commission, and one of the founders of FOG, along with Kathy Topham and others. Uh, that's on Friday. Zanelli Maholi, who is a phenomenal African artist, is going to have a show at SF MoMA. And they will be here also uh, giving um, some presentations at Stanford. Uh, this is a one of the most important 
uh, photographers of our times right now, and they will be, uh, you know, at SF moment. So you'll get over there and see that. Then finally, I think you probably all know that Harry Parker passed this weekend. And as we know, you know, Harry was the director of the Fine Arts Museum yes, I for 20 years. Oh. Um, he oversaw uh, the museum at the time that we were creating the whole conversation around cultural equity. And it was, I think, a time that, um, you know, the large budget organizations had the absolute lion's share of public money. And it was seen as their money, uh, as opposed to the money of the community that is allocated. And Harry was instrumental in really uh, giving way to developing what we now have, which is the cultural equity formula. And, you know, Harry Parker is a, is a person that was looking at the importance of the Fine Arts Museum um, in a broader ecosystem and not just the portrayal of, of what it had typically done. Um, so there were a lot of breakthroughs, I think also including that he was the director when the decision and the project to build the, the new uh, museum occurred. Um, and then finally, I have to say as a graduate of Williams College that we were both uh, trained by the same professors at Williams. And Harry went on to have a really brilliant career here in San Francisco and a good long life afterwards. So I just wanna um, have those words in, in memory and in honor of Harry Parker, uh, part of our community for many years and helped to shape our community. Um, I didn't know. Sorry <laughs> to hear it. It was My, peaceful and at the end, right? He was, um, I was privileged to meet him when I was getting my MFA at the San Francisco Art Institute, and I was invited to a dinner by Ella King Torrey, and she seated me next between David Ross and Harry Parker Jr. It's like, whoa, like major stars in my eyes. And uh, I remember very well that evening, um, David Ross basically ignored me <laughs> until I asked him a question on a piece of paper, and Harry, would not stop talking to me. He was so excited to be sitting next to a, a future artist. And I, he just was so generous and wonderful and funny and witty and warm. Um, and not so, about himself. And not about himself. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, to think about you know, the ballerina, the conductor, and the museum director, all a part of, if you just look at, just visualize, mm -hmm. you know, who they are, mm -hmm. who they were, and what they brought was a different San Francisco than existed at another point in our history. So um, this is an important time for us to, to recognize. And I also want to thank uh, Director Remington for allowing us to have this conversation. This is a bit off center because we don't really talk about obituaries typically in a meeting such as this. We reserve this for very specific times on our agenda, lest we all mention everything like this every time. Um, he, he opened the door because the mention of Parker is a bit of an outlier because of how defining he was and is about what we are as a city. Uh, so uh, since we're both civic institutions, um, they will say similar things about other people that lead these institutions, such as MTT. So, um, any other comments? Yes. I just wanted to add one more thing, and that is, yes, he um, was the director of the museum 
when it underwent that you know world class renovation and completely revitalized yep. that museum that um in terms of its you know place on the map and uh when i did research last this is a while ago but it is actually one of the uh, highest revenue generating museums in the country which is really interesting to think about this last year was a gangbusters yeah just <laughs> it was so um and i i have a close friend of mine um paul martin was the head of um was a, was the head of design at zoner which is who made all of those panels so he actually moved from kansas city which is where he still is to um, San Francisco and lived in a trailer <laughs> for two years to install all those panels, those groundbreaking panels in that design in the new museum. And uh, told would always tell me what a pleasure uh, Harry was to work with. And I, you know, one of my fondest memories is actually um, the opening night, they opened the museum for 24 hours. I don't know if, if anyone was around and I was literally standing yeah. On, on Martin Luther King Drive, or JFK Drive, sorry, um, at four o'clock in the morning with thousands of other people waiting in line to go into the museum. It was like one of my fondest memories ever. And we were all so excited about going in. And we ran in and we were like kids in a, you know, kids in a park in a playhouse, just running everywhere, screaming and, and in joy. One final thing, will you remind us of the landscape architect um, who did the meandering path uh, Oakland-based, and he's doing stuff. Oh, um, um, yes, I know uh, yes, who you're anyway, talking about. You know, Ralph. This is a was it Walter Hood? Was it Walter Hood? No, okay, what? yeah, it was Walter Hood. But this is a part of you know of our history mm -hmm. as we think about you know these defining moments of equity. Because prior to this, there were not any black designers involved in these major projects that would have lasting and global impact. But Walter Hood was mm -hmm. that guy from Oakland, and that was the big shot that he got, you know, from Harry Parker. Wow. Anyway, is that enough? Yeah, so are there never any, enough. Is there, any, <laughs> is there any public comment on our general discussion? I'm requesting comments from those who are in person. Is there anyone who'd like to make a public comment on the current agenda item? I see no request for public comment. Public comment is now closed. And that means that we are agenda item number six. Adjourned. All right. Thank, Thank you, you, Director Remington, for allowing us to be a little. Okay. So, Raj, how are we? Yes. It's also. Uh,